Greetings, fellow podcast listeners. Welcome to episode four of the On Worship Songs podcast. Earlier in this series, I have offered up two original songs for Advent and one Christmas song, presenting them as stripped-down acoustic demos and discussing the theology behind them. Today, I'll wrap up the first volume of On Worship Songs with a second Christmas song. If you've listened before, then you already know that you can go to onworship.org and find the demos I've recorded for these episodes as downloadable tracks, as well as chord sheets. I'm recording this podcast for several reasons, but one of them is so these songs might find a place in the greater church beyond my personal ministry. So if you dig the songs, please grab the resources and use them in your context, whatever that is. And I would love if you'd let any and all worship leaders and pastors in your life know about this podcast. You can also shoot me your thoughts and feedback, and I might read it on an episode. Hit me up at onworship.org. And if you are listening through Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you find this, it would be amazing if you would subscribe, rate, review, you know, all the basic podcast stuff. Okay, enough preamble. Let's get started. My name is Chris, and this podcast is on worship songs. Today, I'll be sharing the first Christmas song I ever wrote, which was way back in 2006. This is a big one for me for several reasons. First, it's still got legs. At least I think it does. It's still a solid song. I was writing many worship songs by this point in time, but trust me, not all of them have been keepers. Second, it pulls heavily from familiar traditional songs. I love hymns, spirituals, and other songs of tradition. My second favorite thing to do in worship after maybe using my own original songs is to take a classic old song, dust it off, throw it into a new musical context that the congregation can relate to. Now, I wasn't doing any of that in 2006. Back then, I didn't yet have my current appreciation for songs of tradition. But I did love Christmas music, and I think that's apparent in this song. We'll see if we can track all of my lyric references here momentarily. Lastly, this song kind of documents the moment in my life where Christmas finally really became about Jesus for me. I was raised in a family that always had amazing Christmases. Santa always left presents under the tree and stockings filled with candy and small toys. He ate the cookies and he drank the milk, all the stuff. It was awesome. Every year. I always knew it was about Jesus, but that wasn't at the core of it for me until I was mature enough to let the whole story sink in in a more profound way. It was really through writing this song that my perspective shifted and I gained a new appreciation for Christmas, which would lead to a new appreciation for Advent in the coming years. So let's take a listen and unpack it on the other side. Here's my recently recorded demo of Emmanuel. Came to this place 
baby boy You were born a prince When you were taken from this place Your killers called you king And you became deliverance Peace on earth Eternal peace for everyone You have come to give Great tidings of joy The good news is here You came to die so we might live Emmanuel How we love you Lord Emmanuel You are They call you Lord when you were wrapped in swaddling clothes. Did they call you the Christ child? And when they came to give you gifts, did they know what it meant? Did they know? For our Lord has come Let all the earth receive its King O holy night Of our Savior's birth Fall on your knees worshiping Emmanuel 
how we love you, Lord, Emmanuel, you are near, Emmanuel, how we love you, Lord, Emmanuel, you are near. Emmanuel, our second song of Christmas. So now, let's unpack it. The first useful bit of theology for understanding this song is a reminder that Emmanuel means God with us. So when we sing Emmanuel, how we love you, Lord, Emmanuel, you are near, that's what that's about, celebrating that Christ is near. Now, it's not that he merely was near when he was born as a baby and walked to the earth as a man, but as he would later promise in the scriptures, especially in the Gospel of John around chapters 15, 16, it's his guidance that we receive by the Holy Spirit. And according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 6, the Holy Spirit is one with our spirit. You can't get more near than that. Also, Christ promised he'd be with us, always, even until the end of the age. Now, I'll imagine that if you're listening to this, you understand that you can find the major elements of the Christmas story in the Gospels of Matthew and Luke, and that you have a pretty good idea of what these story elements are. So I don't need to cite scriptures to explain, when you came to this place, you were born a baby boy. I do want to lean a little bit into the idea that Jesus came here from somewhere else, which was alluded to by Jesus himself at times and expounded upon in the writings of Paul. John tells us, and arguably the book of Genesis backs him up, that Christ was there in the beginning as a part of the creation process and has somehow always been ordering things and calling out to us. But to come here as a man is a massive paradigm shift in the story, not only of humankind, but all of creation. To do so as a baby is just astonishing, like truly astonishing. The one who gives order to creation humbles himself to the form of a baby. Human babies are just about the most limited creatures on the planet. Plants are capable of more than human infants are. There are animals that can walk right from the womb, some that pretty much have to as part of the birthing process. A human can't walk, can't communicate beyond primal noises, can't see shapes or understand object permanence. It's a huge deal to understand how humbling it was for Christ to arrive as a human baby. This is why I often use the praise song, God of Wonders, around Christmas time. I like to remind people of the epic expansiveness of a God who has wonders even beyond our galaxy while we're thinking of baby Jesus. My lyric, You Were Born a Prince, of course references the common title for Jesus, 
Prince of Peace, which is used in the classic Christmas hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. My alliterative heavy line, Your Killers Called You King, references Jesus being mocked by the Romans as King of the Jews during his torture and execution. The phrases peace on earth and tidings of joy come from the scriptures and also countless traditional worship songs. Again, Hark the Herald Angels Sing uses peace on earth and God rest ye married gentlemen declares tidings of comfort and joy. These are just a couple of examples. You came to die so we might live is a not so subtle rephrasing of Hark's born that men no more may die. I still really enjoy the second verse. Did they call you Lord when you were wrapped in swaddling clothes? Did they call you the Christ child? When they came to give you gifts, did they know what it meant? Did they know who you were? Which is really me wondering if Jesus' family and those who visited him as a baby and a child really had the revelation of who he was and what his presence meant. Like I explained earlier, I was coming into that revelation in a new way myself as I wrote this. Clearly, many of the people in the scriptures did have at least some degree of revelation. Mary wrote a song about it. Simeon and Anna celebrated him in the temple. The Magi traveled a great distance to visit him and bring him gifts. But we all have had a gradual expansion of our revelation of Christ, right? I wonder if those people ever looked back on this time later on and had their minds blown from new perspectives. The following pre-chorus is straight up rephrasing bits of Joy to the World and O Holy Night. I could go on about how profound those songs are, but that's kind of understood, right? I mean, songs don't survive for hundreds of years because they don't have much to say and didn't find a great way to say it. The last bit, the bridge, which is the same structure as the pre-chorus sections of the verses, has a fun twist of phrase. When I sing, goodwill and grace and hope and peace you give to those who will receive, it means both those who will receive the goodwill, grace, hope, and peace that you offer, and you give to those who will receive Emmanuel. Both readings of the lyrics are correct, and both readings are really the same thing from different angles. To receive Christ's blessing is to receive Christ. To receive Christ is to receive his blessing. You won't have one without the other. I have a lot of fun memories of this song. This was among the first several tunes that my friend and co-conspirator Will Deeds and I tried to create a multi-tracked demo of way back in 2006 or so. We had GarageBand, a couple of amps, some cheap mics, and no real clue how to properly record anything. I will not be sharing that original demo here. (laughs) I've gone on to demo this song a few times over the years. For a while, one of those demos became the favorite song of my oldest child who, when he was five, listened to it on repeat when waiting in the hospital for his brother to be born. I also remember performing this song at a very well-attended house show concert in Wichita, Kansas in what must have been 2008. By the end, I had the whole room singing 
Emmanuel, how we love you, Lord. And I looked over and saw my mother at the far end of the room with tears in her eyes. There are a lot of good memories for me tied up with this song. Those are just a few of the best. I'd love to hear your feedback for this song, this episode, this series, anything, everything, whatever. Head over to onworship.org and give me a holler. And remember, while you're there, you can also download the demo and a chord sheet and go to work making this song your own. If you do, I'd love to hear your rendition. I will be back again next week with the first installment of Volume 2. Until then, I've been Chris, and this podcast has been on Worship Songs.